Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? I'm pretty well this morning. That's good? Yeah. That's good. um, Can't complain. All right, so so I have a question this morning. (laughs) Yeah. Go on then. So your nickname is, uh, is Minnie. One of many nicknames. One of many nicknames. Yeah. Is, is, is the one that I know you by. So uh-huh. we're going to call it your stage name for, for, okay, for now. Okay. So, uh-huh. so your stage name is Minnie. Uh-huh. Where does that originate? Does it from, originate from the car or the mouse? <laughs> neither. Oh, neither. So, neither. So my big brother, this, this is actual story time. My big brother, our last name is Fraunfelder. When he was a kid, we have an uncle who people thought he was very similar to, so they called him Little Graham. He started to get older and he's like, I have my own person. So they just called him Fraun. He's five years older than me. I started coming to like stuff that he used to go to, mostly summer camps, so North New South Wales um, Adventist summer camps here. Um, I started coming along five years later and they're like, oh, it's mini Fraun. I thought he was a pinnacle of awesome, still kind of do. So I was like, yes, it is. And then it just got shortened to mini. So, yeah, it's it's just Mini Fraun because he's Fraun. Okay, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, now we have the answer to now that particular you know. question. We know where your stage name came yes. from. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. It makes the most sense than some nicknames. Some just, just who knows where they come from. How are you feeling this morning, though? Amazing. Hey, Blessed. Good. God is good. Yes. Yeah. But give me what was the good thing yesterday? What okay. was some time with Jesus that you were like, mm, this was awesome? Uh, when my house didn't fall down. That is ideal. Yes. Oh, okay. What did you do to your house that it might I have? I cut like half of the wall out. Oh, oh, nice. And then I braced it back up again. Mm-hmm. And just after I finished bracing it up, the wind came through. That All that wind. Oh. I was like, oh, I'm kind of glad I had the extra bracing in right now. It was pretty windy. Because it was dead still. I'm like, this is a perfect time to cut half the wall down. So I cut half the wall down. And then, and then I braced it all up and I'm like, I'm glad that that didn't happen before the wind hit. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It's kind of off topic, but we'll get back to it in a sec. I went to school with this guy who everyone just knew him as Sam and everyone for years thought he was Samuel. And then he was like, no, no, I'm Samson. I was like, oh, I don't know many Samsons. And so from then on, everyone started calling him Samson. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But it was cool. But if you know the answer, give us a call, 1-800-324-843. It's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or send us a text, 0491-064-669. And our prize today is Michael Asks Why. And it's basically the great controversy um, explained for children. Yes. Um, which really important. Ideal story. Christmas present right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So answer the quiz, you got your Christmas shopping done. Absolutely. That's the kind of shopping I like, <laughs> the kind where I don't have to do it. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so let us know. That's. I think that's all I was going to say. Yes, my wife um, came to me yesterday and, 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 and said, like, why, why don't we have a date night tonight and go Christmas shopping? I'm ooh. like, ooh, let me think about that. Would I rather do that or poke myself in the eye with a <laughs> screwdriver? I'll go with a screwdriver. <laughs> now that wasn't the date night thing. I was like, I'm totally up for a date night. Just clarifying. Let me let me just clarify this. I'm totally up for a date night. Uh-huh. But the Christmas shopping bit was like, it's not Christmas not Eve yet. Why do we need to go Christmas shopping? Really? Are you a Christmas Eve shopper? Oh, well, that's then even, I kind of have to. Oh, that's more stressful. Yeah, oh. but that's when I'm like, I'm a procreate. I have, I, I have, right, uh, right, right. you know, when it comes to the gifts of the spirit. Oh, okay. I'm not sure whether it's the spirit or not, but I have the gift of procrastination. <laughs> I was watching this TED Talk ages ago and it was just like making this point. It's just like there's only one thing. It's basically saying the mind of a master procrastinator is like there's just a fun monkey that wants to take control. It's like I don't want to do the thing. Let's go to the dark 
playground where things is instant gratification and all the things I actually <laughs> want to do. The only thing that that fun monkey is scared of is the panic monster. And that only appears when there's a deadline and the deadline's coming mighty quickly. And I was, and I was like, oh, he's speaking of me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fun monkey and the panic monster. Yeah, I kind of like that. I do you can know what I'm saying? I can relate to that. Because it when something you really don't want to do or there's just other things that just seem to be more appropriate to do at the time. Man, I procrastinate clean so well. Because they're like, it, it's all stuff that is actually productive and useful. It's just not maybe the thing I need to do right at that moment. It's yes. just maybe not the best prioritizing. Anyway, let me tell you some good news stories. Okay, so artists are helping scientists apply seaweed plastic into everyday life. I think this is an interesting story. So, scientists and artists have teamed up in the labs in South Australia. So, Obviously, something we've been talking about for quite a while is plastic. It's a problem. We need to fix it. Our earth, yada, yada. I actually do care, by the way. Like, my yada, yada, I, I do think this is important. Like, work our studies of the earth, let's look after it. Uh, but one of the solution, one of the solutions they're looking at is South Australia's large amounts of seaweed. So apparently they have, like, 15% of seaweed diversity or something down there from the world. I was like, that for just that little spot, that's actually a pretty big amount. Anyway. So Flinders University academics have been working on biodegradable seaweed-based plastic polymers. Don't know exactly what that means. But basically it's the things that have the potential to become reused and renewable bioplastic. And so what you just uh, – when you finish with your plastic bag, you just uh, what um, dig it into your garden for compost? I think that's the theory. That would be pretty cool. I don't know. Or it could just be how can we recycle it in a more effective way. I don't know. It, this story doesn't it's made out of seaweed. You should be able to dig it into your garden for fertilizer. I totally agree. Of course, which would be amazing. Yeah, right. It's like add it to your green compost bin. At worst case scenario, best case scenario, yeah, I'll just it's dig like, into the soil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so basically, though, they're asking for artists, or they're trying to connect up with artists to translate their lab work into everyday applications, which is kind of cool. Um, so. The, the collaborative project is called Green Plastics Blue Ocean. Uh, Professor Wei Zhang and Peng Su have enlisted artist in residence Nikki Sparrow. And this person has already developed examples of fashionable seaweed leather, environmentally friendly wound dressings, and biocompatible joint implants. I was like, what? That's fascinating. <laughs> That's just off the charts. I don't quite understand how that works. Also, not a scientist. My brain is melting right now and running out of my ears. <laughs> and so basically, P- Professor Zhang says, we see the significant value to having artists working with scientists to translate the scientific language into cultural language. I've said for years, science speaks a different language. In high school, they started me to write essays in scientific language. I was like, but I don't understand it. Anyway. It's Latin. Exactly. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're just saying artists can support the community culture shift sorry, in terms of using um, reusable and biodegradable options for plastic. Um, I just think this is a really interesting idea, to be honest. I am – this is not what this my story is talking about. I am curious about what that process would look like. Yes. Because, you know, you know those, those um, like, reusable bags you used to get from Woolies and Coles? Yes. And everyone's like, yeah, get on them because they're better than plastic. And that's like, but hold on, actually, the energy it takes is using way more than if you just use the bag. That's right. So unless you truly are using it again and again, I'm just this is a little cheeky. It's like race. electric vehicles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the process for making lithium batteries and then disposing of lithium mm. batteries is so much more worse for the environment than the process of uh, of burning fossil fuels. Yeah. Which is 
Interesting. Interesting. Um, I still like electric vehicles. Oh, yeah. It's called torque. What? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, what do you want? You don't know what talk is. <laughs> Mini talk is what you do on the radio every day. No, not talk like that. Yeah. So not, I was like, I'm sure it's not. <laughs> not T A L K T O T O T O R Q U E. That one. That's the one. Yeah, I've probably seen it written somewhere. Uh huh. So what does it mean? That is like um, the. That's like grunt. Oh, okay. Yes. So like V8 sort of engine sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it doesn't sound like that. It's silent, but it's got massive amounts of that. Hey. Yes, because electric motors are silent, but you know they will launch you from zero to one hundred kilometers an hour in like two oh, seconds. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. look, I'm not a car it's person. Super cool. But there's something fun about the sound of it. You're like, oh, that's a car. That's coming. <laughs> yes, yes. Let me geek out for on on on, uh, on car stuff for a moment. Um, yeah. Just very cool. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so they just invented here in Newcastle. Uh-huh. Um, they've got a a, a seven meter long uh, power boat that is uh, diesel electric, which is you know, using hybrid technology. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it'll do twenty knots. I don't know what that means. Is that's, that fast? That's, that's decent. Okay. That's decent. Oh, that's good. And it can run silent. Wait, did you say an electric one? Electric one. Electric. Why do they need diesel? Well, diesel electric to, to charge the batteries. Ah, okay. Yeah, but you can run on silent, you see. Right. So if you want to sneak up on something. Ah, okay, just, okay. Just like silently move, just, just the sound of the water and that's it. <laughs> the best. It's so cool. That is, that is quite interesting. But, yeah, so this is my only question about the seaweed stuff. It sounds awesome, looks good, but um, I don't know enough about it, but I, I'd just be curious, yeah, what the process of creating this looks like. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, let's talk about big business. Mm. Now, this is really interesting because when you read in the Bible, you find in the Bible, and particularly in the book of Revelation, that big business at the end of time has a lot to do with the corruption of our world. Mm. And so if you read Revelation chapter 18, there's a whole slew of verses that are talking about the business leaders of the world wailing because of economic, massive economic collapse just Mm. before the return of Christ. And, you know, how that they have made huge amounts of money, huge amounts of product, and those opportunities are all over. And because that's all that they've lived for, everything they've lived for has come for, come to an end. You know, if we live for God, if we live for eternity, then when things of this world come to an end, our life is just beginning. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I've seen with, you know, the pandemic, which is just a tiny scale of microcosm of what might take place at the end of time. But you get people who are really distressed by it. Mm. And then you get Christians who are like, I'm not living for this world. This is not bothering me. This is like, I'm, I've read the end of the book. I know how it finishes. Mm-hmm. Why, why would I be stressed over this? We have the spoilers. Yeah, we have, we've got all the spoilers. <laughs> and that's just amazing. Uh, but the Bible does say, you know, Revelation chapter 18, what you've got is a coalition that is forming between big business or, at the end of time, collapsing um, religion and politics. So we often talk about the union between religion and politics at the mm. end of time. We don't often talk about the union between big business and religion at the end of time. Yeah. And yet Revelation 18 brings, there's a whole section there that is all just about the role of big business in a coalition against God at the end of time. Mm. So I've never seen major moves towards building, can, well, no, I shouldn't say that. No, I shouldn't say that. There's been all <laughs> kinds of moves towards building 
connections between big business and religion. So we'll just starting dis- with disregard the, that last Starting comment. with the Knights Templars and oh. working through to the Illuminati and so forth. That'll get okay, all, so all my, so con- get all my conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of history there. But anyway. So the Vatican, though, how is this connected? Is that what we're talking okay, about? Okay, so the, the, Pope, the Pope hosted some uh, major business leaders on Tuesday, um, some of the biggest business leaders in the world, to form a new partnership. Mm, okay. Um, this is 27 business leaders. They represent $2.1 trillion worth of business annually, and they represent 200 million workers, 27 people. This is, I'm assuming, around the world. Yes, yeah, global yeah. stuff, absolutely. Mm. And so they formed this new thing called the Alliance for Inclusive Capitalism. Right, okay. Which is, uh, when you actually read it through it, it's basically about radical environmentalism, uh, feminism, critical race theory, all that kind of stuff. Um, what is critical race theory? It's a, well, yeah, we won't go into all those okay. details here now, but... It's 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 in there's okay so it's when you when you look at what they're actually trying to accomplish there's a lot there that you would find it hard to criticize unless you actually scratch below the surface of it to okay. see what their what the deeper implications are and what are the deeper implications the deeper Im- implications well are going to result in restrictions on religious liberty mm. um that's kind of where it heads wait so with these Business leaders, how do these topics come into them making this deal with this Pope or the conversation with the Pope? Well, okay, so if you're going to do something about the environment, I, I don't know if I've got time. Yeah, it's, it's a big subject. Yeah, yeah, it's a big yeah, subject. Yeah, yeah, you got to be on a big subject. Let me, yeah, let me cover yeah, yeah. this story first and then maybe nice. we've got time for it. Okay, so um, they have called themselves – so the Alliance for Inclusive Capitalism is shortened to is also called the Guardians of Inclusive the Guardians of Inclusive Capitalism. Okay, so the the actual individuals are called the Guardians of Inclusive Capitalism. Okay, which is shortened to the Guardians. Interesting. So we've got a gathering of the Guardians. The Guardians. We've got a gathering of the Guardians. <laughs> so they're going to look after us. So you got the CEO of Bank of America. You got the CEO of Mastercard. You got the CEO of Johnson and Johnson. You got the CEO of uh, Salesforce. This is pretty big. Yeah, they're uh, big. They're okay. big, 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 big. Right. Um, and the Guardians are going to meet with the Pope annually. So, so the question that I mean, this is just fascinating. Why do you have the Guardians meeting with? A religious leader. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, we've seen that the Vatican involves itself heavily with politics around the world. Mm. And the Vatican is unique that way because the Vatican is actually a state. Yeah. And so the Pope there is a head of state. He's not just a head of church. He's head of state as well. It's like the only place which in the is, world, Which is right? completely different from any other church yeah. or religion. Yeah. Uh, no other church or religion has that. Uh, you know, nobody sends ambassadors to, say, the head of the Uniting Church or the head of the, you know, um, AOG or Hillsong or whatever. You don't send political ambassadors mm. to the heads of these churches. Yeah, You send political ambassadors to heads of state. Mm. And so, you know, we all have our ambassadors there and so forth. And so we've often seen the Vatican involved in world politics, but this time is different, world religions. And forming a group, sorry, not world world businesses, businessmen, forming a group called the Guardians. <laughs> kind of sounds like the Guardians of the Galaxy, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, anyway, their annual meeting with the Pope is the, is going to take place to develop 
vision and values. Oh, what does that mean? I don't know, but it gets my conspiracy theory <laughs> alarm just yeah. buzzing. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely mm-hmm. buzzing because when you study the history of this, and I shouldn't say this is the first time in history, it's the first time I've seen this, I guess, in my lifetime in modern history in a major way like this mm. because historically you've had some really big kind of issues with big business and the church getting together and it's actually never gone well. Mm. What it has resulted in is oppression uh, and concentration of wealth. Yeah. Even though every time it has happened, it has happened with the stated purpose of being the opposite of that. And this has the stated purpose of being the opposite of that. And it's like, okay, if you know a little bit about history and you note that history repeats itself, this all starts to become a little bit scary. Mm. I just, yeah, I just reckon it sounds sketchy as. I'm like, what is... No. What is someone who's so... Okay, so so you want me to raise raise the sketchiness level one more? Yeah, okay, go on then. Okay. All right. Guess who was uh, the founding director of um, Inclusive Capitalist Capital Partners? So, fa- so, so the person who's like, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's get together with the Pope and let's have this, uh, let's have the, you know, let's form the Guardians. I don't know. Out of everyone in the world. I don't know. You tell me. Lynn Foster de Rothschild. Look, that name should mean more to me than it does. I've heard it. Okay, so for every conspiracy theory out there, right. theorist out there right now, they're, they're, they're like, going to be ah! like, ah, the Rothschild. Um, and, uh, yeah, J.P. Morgan Chase has committed uh, $30 billion to, uh, towards this uh, project. That's a, that's a fair chunk of uh, that's wild. A fair wild. Or, or towards, I should say, the, uh, the aspirations of... Uh, Wait, so what exactly are they hoping to do? I've got a bit... Unclear about that. Yeah, okay. So we've got 24 seconds nice, left. Nice, nice. Okay. Um, so we might talk more about mm. this tomorrow. We might pick this up. Tomorrow. Because that's a question that if Next I week. start down that rabbit hole right now, <laughs> I'm going to say like two sentences <laughs> and be completely out of time. Yeah. Um, but suffice to say that whenever this has happened in the past, it has resulted in restrictions on religious liberty mm. and current plans do involve restrictions on religious liberty that line up with some interesting stuff that you find in Revelation 13. Oh, so much to talk about. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is Luke Ferrugia from Oz Table Talk. Luke, once again, we welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me, Lyle. Great to be back. Now, we're always interested to hear about what are the conversations that young people are having today, you know, kind of over the dinner table on, uh, you know, after church, that kind of thing. I guess this was the original idea of the Oz Table Talk was, you know, what what do people talk about? Young people Mm -hmm. just finished a worship service and, of course, you guys started recording those conversations and doing them in the studio rather than at the uh, at the fellowship lunch. And I guess we've not had fellowship lunches this year, so it's been even more relevant. But we're keen to hear what uh, some young guys have been talking about. What have been the subjects so, this yeah. last month? Yeah, so uh, the most recent one we did was actually probably one of my favourite episodes we've done in a while. It was just a really, really good topic and really good discussion. It was, uh, should we defend ourselves or turn the other cheek? So uh, we we looked at that in multiple ways. Like, you know, the the primary way that we looked at it was, uh, you know, um, 
violent versus non-violent uh, sort of ways of pacifism was one of the initial things we were looking at. And we also then transmitted that into other ways, you know, like on using social media and, and should we, you know, turn the other cheek when, when we're offended there. And we're talking about a lot of different things, but it was a really good discussion. So I'm, I'm taking you probably, uh, what, you throw out some hypotheticals here? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, like, as an example, one of the things that we uh, were talking about was, um, is there ever a, a good justification for a Christian to uh, physically defend themselves rather than take a, a pacifistic approach? And uh, we talked, we were using, so yes, we were using hypothetical examples, but we talked about Jesus. You know, we often look at Jesus and, you know, he didn't resist his attackers. But then, then again, the the thing is, Jesus was experiencing something that was completely different to what you and I would typically experience, and how different the motives would be depending on were you protecting your family, were you, you know, what were you trying to do, what does love look like in that situation? Right. What about the stories of the Old Testament where the nation of Israel uh, fought both defensive battles and offensive battles? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you could. There is an argument that, you know, that was different, but in a way, it's not, not actually that different from a personal defense scenario because in a society like that, they, you know, that it was a, it was a, there was no overarching government and there were warring tribes. And if they didn't do that, then God's people would have been exterminated from the face of the earth, possibly before the Messiah even came. What about uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just wondering of some of the you know historical mm. circumstances or hypotheticals mm. that may have come up. What about mm. say during the Dark Ages when the Christian Church defended itself against persecuting armies? Was was that something mm. that was discussed? Yeah, um, we didn't talk about that specifically, but yeah, we were we, we were talking about uh, when Christian peoples were oppressed throughout history. But that was and it's an interesting thing because for me anyway, I mean, and we I think we all sort of got to the place where we we agreed at a base level. But for me personally, I I, I was much stronger in my ideas of pacifism when I was younger, and I guess as I as I have had different experiences now, I look at it. Uh, differently, because I think that if I, as an example, me now being a dad, you know, yes. I know that if I was in a scenario where I had to protect my family or whatever, I I feel that that's my first duty before God, and I don't think that that would be like I wouldn't be morally conflicted by having to physically defend uh, my family. But if there is, you know, if there was a different scenario, and we also talked about these scenarios where people feel convicted of God that violence is, is not the answer and they choose to um, just allow it to happen. You know, Jesus was one of those examples, right, because of the circumstances. There are circumstances where both are appropriate, uh, I believe, from the Bible's perspective. Okay, so this is one of those interesting discussions because... You know, you can sort of you can talk about war, you can talk about defensive war, you can talk about offensive war, you can talk about defending your family, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, we can find justifications for all of those things in the Bible. Mm. The real question that comes up in my mind is, did you discover a a place where it is appropriate to turn the other mm-hmm. cheek? Because I've had this discussion with. Uh, Christians at times, and it's almost like, well, you know, th- there's justification for everything except for actually turning the other cheek. Yeah. yeah, and that's a really good that's a really good question. One of the things that we did talk about and obviously there is there are larger ones, but this just sprang to mind, you know, these days uh, especially in the the, the hyper connected culture that we are a part of, 
there's a lot, especially as soon as you you say something online, you know, all of the all of the trolls come out, so to speak. People want to have their say, and you know, in that sort of an o- online forum, people are protected by their anonymity, right? And they they can say and they can be as offensive as they wish. But uh, a lot of people, you know, will try to defend themselves. And nine times out of ten, the people that try to defend themselves, it just all gets out of hand and gets worse. So we're talking about how in some scenarios, both in physical and, and not, that there's, uh, you know, especially online, because there's no real uh, measurement of that. Turning the other cheek makes a lot of sense. But in a, in a, physical, in a physical realm, as far as uh, turning the other cheek, the example that I gave was that I have a friend that is um, who, you, in his previous life, you could say, was a drug dealer, and he was, uh, in amongst that, he was uh, a fighter, and he considered himself to be a really uh, good fighter. And so, after he became a Christian, he felt strongly convicted that he should never fight again. And that was put to the test one day because somebody from his previous life um, tried to uh, tried to attack him in in public one day, and he felt personally convicted that that wasn't what God wanted him to do, and so he acted in faith by not doing anything. He put his hands by his sides and just stood there. And um, as the the attacker ran to him, uh, two uh, two or three guys from the crowd just turned around and subdued him before he even reached him. And so. You know, for him, that was an act of faith, and and that was and God honoured that and protected him and his family that day. But uh, and that's one example. But I think it's just, I guess, it demonstrates how motives change the scenario. I would say. Did you find a difference of opinion between, you know, say the younger younger members of the Oz Table Talk and the older members, so those that have family with uh, kids and so forth, and mm-hmm. um, the younger guys that don't have a family and kids. Was there a difference there? Or do you all, yeah, have, um, or do you all have a family now? No, we don't all have families just yet. Um, but we were uh, we were in agreement on that. But we certainly, well, well, I certainly agreed that my younger self, like before I had a family, I I was of the opinion that uh, you know it would be more, it would glorify God better if uh, if you just would stand there and take whatever it was. So um, I don't agree with that position now, but yeah, I, I think it's interesting how age or or perhaps experience does make a difference with how you view those sort of things. For sure, absolutely, mm. fascinating stuff. What else did you guys get into? Sure. So uh, one of the other uh, topics that we did discuss was should we uh, should we compromise to evangelize? And uh, the the basic idea around this was, was that is it okay to go into somewhat uh, unchristian settings for the sake of the gospel. You know, and the examples that we were talking about was, as the example, um, if someone were to go to a work party at a pub or to catch up with friends or something like that, even if they're not partaking in that lifestyle, if they're just going there to see someone, is that appropriate or is that ever appropriate for the Christian to do? And we, we had a number of different scenarios like that that we kind of tried to explore together. What about starting a church plant? In a pub. Yeah. Hey, that is a great idea, you know. And uh, again, uh, it's funny how, how ideas change. You know, this is something that I would have felt very strongly about at one point in my, in my experience. But this is, uh, I personally, I believe that a lot of it comes down to the, the situation of the individual. As an example, you know, if, if you are a person who, you know, was an alcoholic and was, uh, you know, is, is drawn by that life, you know, I would not. I would not advise such a person to be a part of um, that sort of a culture because it would be very tempting for them. But if you're a person that 
uh, you know, you had a, a different walk or a different experience and that doesn't hold any, any attraction to you, then I would say that if, if there is not an opportunity for ministry and you're called to do it there and take the opportunity because after all, Jesus went where the people were. He didn't go and wait for them. To, um, he was attractive, so people did come to him, but he interacted with them where they were. And so I, I think that's an appropriate thing to do. I think so, because, I mean, from my own perspective, I mean, alcohol has never been any temptation to me whatsoever at all. I've always just seen yeah. it as being like the dumbest thing ever, and it's like, why would I want to participate in that? And so I felt yeah. quite comfortable, you know, when I was a tradesman going to, uh, to you know, end-of-year Christmas party work dinners where there was alcohol all over the place because it was like, well, I'm never going to participate in that. And I can actually be a witness by not participating in that yep. aspect and show that, hey, I'm having more fun than the rest of you guys and uh, and I'm not even drunk. So yeah. <laughs> what are you missing and, out on here? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things when I like when I was uh, working in retail and I was going to same sort of the same sort of thing, you know, um, when we would have events, you know, because I would attend their events, when we would have events, you know, for, you know, my family would organize or whatever, you know, that gives you a context to invite them and say, you know, because that you hang out with them, they come and invite, come and hang out with you. And almost every single time one of those uh, work colleagues that came to any event that we organized, because obviously no alcohol, you know, that was a different kind of atmosphere, they would universally say by the end of the night, wow, I had such a good time and I didn't even get drunk. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was just like that, they could not see how those two ideas could mesh together, you know. And I think that's a, just an example of the – that people – it's not that they don't want something different. It's that they don't know something different is available. Uh, people who don't drink always find that comment so hilarious, but we do hear it from uh, time to time and it just uh, – yeah. people forget to realise that, you know, 56% of the world – Never drink. Mm. The majority of the population of planet Earth do not drink alcohol, ever. Um, Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, um, you live in a culture like Australia, you kind of don't see it that way, but that's how it actually is. Mm. Um, And those of us that don't drink have an amazing time. Uh, Very quickly, what else did you have to – you usually do uh, four four subjects? That's uh, two down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the last one I'll, I'll throw in for today. We, uh, the title of the discussion was, is this the last president? Obviously with the, uh, you know, the election in the US, uh, and, you know, a, a plethora of, uh, understandings of what that could mean for pro- prophecy and all the rest of it. Um, we had a discussion of, about, uh, well, I guess, yes, is this the last president? But mostly looking at, um, is it, how do we as Christians observe world events and try to, uh, come to conclusions about end times Regarding them, and one of the one of the things I think it's very important for us is like just some of the key conclusions for the sake of time. But I think it's very important for us to be aware of what's going on in the world, and if it matches up with prophecy, that is very exciting. But I think a lot of Christians they are looking for those sort of things so hard that they often find interpretations that weren't weren't actually intended in the Bible, <laughs> and so we, we we've got to be very aware of that when we read the text we need to read it responsibly to make sure that we're not interpreting we're not reading the news into the text we're reading the text into the news if that makes sense so the end time crisis is it going to be brought to us by the republican party or by the democrat party this is a million dollar (laughs) question would love to know what you guys's conclusion was on that one yeah, well, that was a fun. That was a really fun discussion. If anyone's interested in that sort of a topic, I really recommend having having a listen to that. We were talking about how uh, it is even in scripture, right? There is a swing towards Christian values at the end time. You know, if, if my reading of you know, Revelation twelve, thirteen, fourteen is is correct, 
there is a swing towards religion. And right now, the overwhelming swing, at least, I don't know if everyone else sees it this way, but to my eyes, the overwhelming swing of our culture is still a secular swing. We don't seem to be pushing back into Christian values, which is uh, seems to be an indicator of the end time. So I'm not saying that one side or the other will achieve that and when they will and what will happen or what the last president will be. But I think that uh, the, the people that are crying out and saying, oh, this is it, this is the end right now, um, I think there are still things that have to happen that we should be watching for, but I, I don't necessarily think that this is going to be the last president. I don't think the Bible is clear about what the last president is. What is clear, though, are the signs of the times, the kind of culture that we'll be living in when that last president occur, you know, arrives. So I think we should be watching more of those signs that we actually find in Scripture rather than wondering which president or which pope will be the one that's in place when the end comes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very a very ballot, balanced approach to take, and I certainly hope that this is the last one, but mm. we just yeah. don't know the future. The, as you say, the Bible hasn't given us a name and said that it's going to be Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anybody else. The Bible just yeah. simply gives a, uh, a big picture of events that will take place and definitely a swing towards uh, religious values. What What's also interesting on that is that if you study history, history is cyclical and it repeats itself, and a rise in secularism is not new. There is nothing new about a rise in secularism that we see in our world today. This has happened many, many times in the past, but it's always followed by a move back towards religion. And so you know, you've got about 7% of the population of the world right now that are secular, uh, the vast majority are religious, it would not take much to create a swing back towards religion in the modern world. Uh, history bears that out. And so I think that you're absolutely right when you say that you know, a lot of the end time crisis will be brought about by religious people. Mm. Fascinating stuff, Luke. Thank you so much for joining us. Where do we find your podcast? Uh, you can find our website, oztabletalk.com.au, and you can find us on all the socials under the same name. Oz Table Talk, there you go. Go and look these guys up. They have amazing Bible-based discussions every week, and uh, that's Oz Table Talk. Luke Ferrugia from Oz Table Talk. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.